0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. All right, look, there's only one return, okay? And it ain't of the king. It's of the Jedi. Good evening, and welcome to the 25th episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Clerks 2. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, this is Dawn, And to my right, we have the comic book guy, John. Snoochie Boochies. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken.
1: So is there really a difference between Anne Frank and Helen Keller?
0: Yeah, one was deaf, dumb and blind and one hid in a closet. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> uh, will,
2: will there be spoilers in this today?
0: Beware. Spoilers. Oh, did I even get to the episode? Did I say tonight's episode?
2: No, you haven't even you've not even touched that yet.
0: Wow, I felt like I was on a roll. But too. you can touch this. Oh, snoochie boochies. Uh, So, how you guys been? We had a couple of eventful weeks.
1: Little hiatus. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Doing okay. Yeah, everybody good? I didn't have a heart attack in the last couple weeks, so I'm up for that. That is always a plus. Yeah, that That is a plus. Always a plus.
0: Tonight, we are talking about Clerks 2, which was released on July 21st, 2006. It was directed by Kevin Smith. It was written by Kevin Smith and stars Brian O'Hellerin. Jeff Anderson, Rosario Dawson, Trevor Furman, Jason Muse, Kevin Smith, Jason Lee, and Ben Affleck.
1: Did you get Jennifer in there?
0: Jennifer. Jennifer, Kevin, oh.
1: Kevin's wife.
0: How do you say her last name? Swashbuckler?
2: No, no Sh- Schwalbach.
0: It. Schwalbach. Jennifer Schwalbach Smith. Which is Kevin Smith's actual wife.
2: And even Harley Quinn's in it.
0: Is that the little girl who's waving to him? And I couldn't be sure. I was trying to do the math and
2: Yeah, that's his daughter, Kevin Smith's daughter. That's what I thought. Harley Quinn.
0: And that's his mom at the very end. She's the milkmaid. She's the same oh, role I, she I didn't played. know that was his mom. Same role she played in, 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 in the first one.
1: The first one. How how long of a gap is this between one and two? Uh
0: that is a good question. Twelve years?
2: It's right here in my notes, by the way. Page two. Oh, page Smith. two. Well, see that's Kevin Smith the, revisits the well. Yeah.
0: That's the problem. Too many pages. I put together these
2: notes for our podcast, and you guys don't even read them. I
0: do. I I disagree. We go through a lot of it. Okay, admittedly, we don't do a lot of the trivia because we just kind of throw that out there anyway while we're talking about it yeah so i disagree so why the gap he was making other movies so yeah but why did he choose to come
1: back to this
2: he actually originally didn't i don't think he planned on making this movie right away but he made a promise to jason muse that if he got himself clean he would make a movie for him
0: right that's right which probably goes into a lot of the character of jay this time around who is in rehab and is, uh, in AA. Mm -hmm. Are you aware that there is a clerks three? Uh, I heard it was being written or it's written. I don't think it's being made or, uh, he talks about it in, uh, his, uh, documentary about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He talks a little bit about the clerks three script and we saw him, uh, two years ago, a year ago. Um, and I think he's mentioned something there too that there was a script or mm-hmm. I've read it's, that, it's alive. I guess I suppose I've read he
2: goes back and forth on it whether he's going to make it or not. He originally, from what I've read, planned on doing a Clerks three and having that close out the whole universe and which, be the final story.
0: In which universe are you speaking of there, the John?
2: skew of you is that what it's called? Or skew view? Well, no.
0: it's in your notes.
2: It's the uh, SKU averse. A averse, yes.
0: View a skewiverse, averse. Yes. Uh, what's in that universe? Mall
2: rats. We got the clerks movies. Strikes Back. Yeah. The Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back movie.
0: Two more. Uh, Dogma. One
2: more. Nikes. I'm going to look at my notes.
0: Hang on. Don't tell them.
2: Oh, I remember it. And I hated it. Really? Did not like this movie. What? what it's it?
0: so much. It's so different than, like, say, this movie. Yeah, chasing Amy. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. chasing Amy.
2: rats I like. Chasing Amy, I just wasn't a big fan of. Uh
0: huh. Oh, I really enjoyed chasing Amy, mm-hmm. even though it is Affleck. But you get you get classic Jason Lee, and you mm-hmm. get uh, you know the same character that goes on to. I think he he has the comic book shop in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and in the reboot.
2: Yeah, and then the character from Chasing Amy, the Ben Affleck character is the same character
0: in Strikes Back. Holden McNeil and the reboot. And actually, I think he, no, he is McNeil in uh, the reboot. I thought yeah. he was Ben Affleck, but no.
1: Yeah, so I read that the uh, the, the third movie, uh it was unsure if they were going to get all four of the principal characters back. And one of the characters was reluctant to throw their...
2: Hand in the ring or... To
1: commit to it. Commit to it. And uh, it was Jeff Anderson. And I, I guess recently he did say that he he's willing to uh, reprise his character's role again.
2: He didn't want to do Clerks 2. He, Kevin Smith really had to work on him because he thought he got so typecast from Clerks 1... He had problems finding a role after that. So he really had, That basically Kevin Smith convinced him you'll have more acting chops in this movie than you will in the previous movie. More character development and that kind of talked him to coming back.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, because that is uh, what what I was reading that Smith, Kevin Smith is alluding to is the evolution of characters.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Did
1: we already talk about the budget and how much it made?
0: no this uh this film was made for five million and made 27 million so
2: i'm surprised by that i thought it did better than that
0: um well that's pretty good yeah
2: so, he's got quite a following i thought his fans really would have come out and
0: you know i've i'm starting to notice that with kevin smith he, i think he's becoming one of those directors that you either love him or you hate him because mm-hmm. uh, i've been <clears throat> listening to a lot of podcasts and uh the ones I listen to tend to bag on Kevin Smith as a filmmaker and a writer. And and, and it's it's funny to listen to it because I, I just don't think they get him.
1: I, I was uh, impressed by the amount that they had um, in this budget, $5 million. And I thought that it did respect respectably well. And I, I don't know how much the first Clerks was made for. But uh, there was a lot of time and effort and conscientious decisions that were made in putting this together because the first movie is put together on a shoestring budget. I don't remember initially how much. I know that Kevin
2: Smith had to like sell his car or something like that to finish the movie.
1: And, And. and, and, and uh, part of the, uh, the, the graininess of Clerks 1 and the black and white of Clerks 1 was done because that's all that they could afford to do. So the thought is, if we're doing a sequel to Clerks, what do we want Clerks 2 to look like? Do we want, to, do we want it to look like the first Clerks, or do we want it to be more sophisticated? And there was a lot of dialogue back and forth going, should we shoot digital? Do we want film? What kind of film do we want to use, and what's what's our exposure that we want to use? And so, a lot of thought went into that, and I, I think that it was money well spent in the second one. Do either of you have any idea how much the first Clerks was
0: made for? Twenty-seven grand. Holy buckets! Twenty. It's estimated. Yep. Estimated twenty-seven grand, and I think it made three million. No, I'm sorry. It made uh, 31,000 on its opening weekend. So, and I think it grossed uh, 3 million worldwide. So, yeah, not too bad.
2: Going back to one of our previous movies, did you know that he actually had scripted, written out, and wanted to make Dogma before this movie, but he couldn't get Dogma made? So, he made clerks in the hope that it would do well enough to be able to make Dogma.
0: We said that it when we did. Dog yeah. well, That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <revisiting laughs> I'm vaguely thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Kevin Smith is. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith. So this is our second film uh, from doing uh, with doing Kevin Smith, and I kind of put it pretty simply. Right, if you like dick and fart jokes, then you'll kind of get Kevin Smith. But you'll notice that he 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 is a director that it's not always about dick and fart jokes. Right, I mean, as we were saying earlier, Chasing Amy is a much different film than Clerks. Jersey Girl, which is one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies, is polar opposite to anything in the VSQ universe. You know what I mean? Uh, Then he goes and he makes something like Tusk. Did you ever see Tusk?
2: I have read about it, and I actually want to see it, but I have never seen it.
0: Have you seen it? No. Do you know what it is? No. Uh, Well, uh, vaguely. He turns Justin Long into a walrus, so. I'll let you chew on that for a bit. And then there was another one, red state. Did you ever see it? That was pretty good. No. Uh, and then he goes and does something like cop out. Right. So he's kind of all over the board uh, as a director. And I think these ones, these movies that are uh, the V.S.Q., uh, a lot of them he, he wrote, right? So this is him. This is what he's bringing to the table. This is what he finds funny. And uh, on a lot of levels, uh, I get it and it's funny. And I, I really enjoy a Kevin Smith movie.
2: Now, this movie fit into our buddy film genre. Do you know the rules of what constitutes a buddy movie?
0: Well, it's funny that you ask that, John. The buddy film is a subgenre of adventure and comedy film in which two people, often both men, are put together on an adventure, a quest, or a road trip. The two people often come from different backgrounds or have different personalities and they tend to misunderstand one another
2: does that not like perfectly describe this movie
0: oh yeah this is definitely definitely a buddy film
2: you have your kind of your straight man your comedian who is Dante yeah you know, or in your comic relief which is Randall yeah. Who's just angry at everybody, yeah.
0: and then you throw in a good supporting cast, and and not too many people come back from the original clerks, like we said earlier. Kevin Smith's mom and uh, who else? Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob come back. Uh, the their first customer was he in the first movie? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, the the kid that buys the drugs from Jay and Silent Bob is the same kid that buys them from. Uh, the first movie.
0: Was he in the first movie?
2: Yes. What I, it was either that or the Jane and Bob Silent, uh, Strikes Back. He's
0: definitely the kid in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Okay, sorry, Back.
2: he's in that. Because he talks about how they, they make him laugh. Yeah. And, they, and why do you come and... to
0: these guys? Yeah. 15 bucks, little man. Oh, yeah, because that, yeah, that was from Jay and Silent Bob. Exactly.
2: And right. then you have different actors who, you know, Kevin Smith has talked about it. People always ask him, you know, why do you always put your friends in the movies? Because I can put my friends in the movies. And so he always has these actors like Ben Affleck and uh, what's his name? Jason, Lee. Jason, uh, Jason Lee. They always come back and they play different characters often. He was even going to have Matt Damon in this movie, but unfortunately he couldn't be in it.
0: A fire at Dante and Randall's shop forces them to take jobs at the fast food empire. movies. boobies. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Moobies. Just, just think
0: boobies, but there instead say moobies. moobies. Yeah, which is from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as well, and...
2: Dogma. Dogma. It was big in Dogma. Yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of big in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, too. That's where Jay uh, sends his email rant. All you motherfuckers are going to pay. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. Good, uh, good writing. Uh, just off the top of your head, did you like it?
1: In general, yeah. There were
2: numerous times that I laughed out loud. And you? Uh, You you can always tell when the professor starts with in general, which means he really didn't like
0: it. No, I think that he in general did like it. I think that... In general? I I would think that, and then this is just me, but I would think that some of the humor and some of the jokes may go too far or I can see Ken just kind of rolling his eyes while it's going on. But he's along for the ride and he's having as much fun as he can with it.
2: I'm eager to hear the professor's rating on this one.
0: I'm eager to hear
1: your rating on this, John. Oh, oh, he's
0: going to joygasm all over (laughs) this thing.
2: Because
1: I I, I find it um, strangely parallel to the movie...
2: Chef, chef I don't see a, I like a lot of crude rude humor and that that just gets me but
1: my point being that you 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 thought that chef was uh, it was wanderless it, it, it didn't it didn't go anywhere it you you thought it fell flat because there was no tension th- there was nothing necessarily happening and so in, in this story this story is all about hanging out and 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 just bsing and
2: not a whole bunch happens but this movie has one thing that chef needed that uh didn't they didn't provide kinky kelly and the sexual stud i was thinking the donkey show good call that's that's what
1: uh sealed the deal for
0: rosario dawson yeah i know she she said she wanted to do it just so she could see one yeah yeah that's that's funny I mean, if you think that sort of stuff <laughs> Which is funny. Makes me like
1: her even more. Yeah.
0: Look at Ken being a uh, donkey show lover.
1: Well, it's not so much that as Rosario
0: Dawson. Well, yeah. How could you not? Uh, I thought it was interesting that she didn't play Becky in Jay, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. She plays uh, Justice's wife. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's not Becky. So I would have liked to have seen Becky and Dante. As a couple in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot.
1: When the movie opens, you know, he pulls up and he opens it up and it's black and white. It's like, maybe I've already seen this because, you know, that's how the first one
0: starts out. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, hey. Kevin Smith does like to go back to the well.
2: What'd you think of the, the amazing special effects of the fire? Uh, I had a chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, he opens it and he closes it. It's like I did not just see that, and he opens it again. Well, but do you know why it looked pretty bad? Why it has it has it has to do with the color grade of doing it in the black and white graininess in in homage to the original clerks, and with that color saturation happening against the gray and the the white and the black, it just. It's really hard to pull off so the fire is just a green screen mm-hmm. and then they add that in later.
2: I figured he he knew that it wasn't going to be realistic so he just went I don't care because if you think about it if there was really a fire behind that metal door thing he wouldn't be able he to touch wouldn't be able to hold like- the door and pull it open right
0: right and and it does kind of fit uh it does kind of go along with the tone of the first film right? yeah. gritty and low budget because i'm telling you what of his five million dollars he spent most of that fucking money on the music mm-hmm. so what a killer soundtrack yeah 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 but kevin smith movies are notorious for having good soundtracks 10 years after the events of the first film dante opens the quick stop convenience store to find that it is on fire Randall had left the coffee pot on after closing the night before. Because Quickstop and the adjacent RST video have been destroyed, Dante and Randall begin working at Mubi's fast food restaurant along with Elias and their manager, Becky. A year later, Dante is planning to leave his minimum wage lifestyle in favor of family life in Florida with his fiance, Emma, whose father will provide them with a home and a business to run. Afraid of losing his best friend, Randall becomes resentful towards Dante and Emma. Jay and Silent Bob have followed Dante and Randall and now loiter outside of movies. Although they continue to sell drugs, Jay and Silent Bob have become sober after they were arrested for possession and sent to rehab. They become devout Christians after their release. So the opening of the film, black and white opens it up, that fire effect we were talking about, and then it goes into color, and then we kind of jump... Well, no, I love how he's sitting there and Randall is walking to work, doesn't care about anything just, just and walks, walks in and, and then it's the firefighters that are shooing him out.
2: What I, I do dig about this movie is it almost feels like it takes place the next day after Clerks won. Yeah. I mean, it's got the same feeling. The characters look exactly the same. You can see that their lives have gone nowhere new. And all I kept thinking was, I wasn't
0: even supposed to be here today. Yeah, And we don't get that line until the end Mm -hmm. when they're fixing uh, the quick stop up. So, yeah, we find out that now they're working at movies.
1: I find it interesting that at least 95% of this movie takes place over the course of one day. The intro and then then the the closing scene, those are separate days. But everything else is one day. Clerks was one day.
0: How long he, has
1: it been since you guys have seen Clerks?
2: Oh, it's been a while.
0: Uh, it was on TV not too long ago, and I stopped just about over, really. Uh, so I would say a couple years at least, probably.
1: For me, it had to be VHS. It's Really? Been, it's been a really long time. And I remember being modestly underwhelmed with Clerks, and it... Because I had heard, critically speaking, that you know this is a, a, a really fresh, really good movie, and it's put together on a shoestring budget. And I, I, I think I just didn't have the maturity to watch it at the time. Because you know I was a young buck, and next thing you know, I, I'm sitting there, okay, entertain me on a Friday night blockbuster movie type of thing. And it's just like, eh, okay, yeah. So when Clerks Two is drawn from the helmet, I'm thinking, hmm, okay. Because I've got a movie that I didn't necessarily feel all that strongly about in its original. And how often is a sequel better than the original? Pretty rare. right? And so I was underwhelmed and I had modest expectations for the movie. And it did exceed those expectations. And like I said, I found it to be an enjoyable watch in general. And uh, I laughed out loud several times.
2: Yeah, what did you thing. think about again we keep mentioning how kevin smith loves to revisit the well what do you think about them bringing back a lot of jokes from clerks and from you know little gags from different movies as well like in clerks it was snowballing this movie was ass to mouth yeah did you did you appreciate those jokes do you think oh my god he's digging too far
0: no, I never once think that he's digging too far. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are films of his that you just kind of go, eh. But uh, I find that when he does revisit stuff, they're nice little Easter eggs or they, they're just things that he likes to throw out there. Mm-hmm. And because I know where they're from and I know if I heard it the first time it was funny, I'm going to laugh this time. And so uh, like using the different things like snowballing and ass-to-mouth, that's just, uh, that's just in his outline. Right. That's Mm -hmm. just in how he kind of writes things. So, I mean, a lot of his movies, because they do have uh, similarities and they do tie in, which makes it the uh, skew universe. I mean, it all comes from his head, so it doesn't surprise me or doesn't take me out of it. Or I, I, I love when he throws stuff back in there.
2: And then he also does seem to grab a lot from his, or his, own, like his one-man shows, tours, sometimes he does with Jason Mewes, as well as Comic-Cons when he does the panels. Yeah. It seems like he takes a lot of things from those as well.
0: Yeah, well, they say you write what you know, mm-hmm. right? And I've always thought of Kevin Smith as a good writer. Yeah. He
2: you
1: know, it came home to me during this movie that, you know, after watching... Uh, dogma and now this and then thinking back to the original clerks that he's a little bit like quentin tarantino where it's not necessarily so much about the content of the story as it is about the dialogue of things
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and and how the dialogue keeps moving things along and how it keeps going yes even the cadence of the dialogue right
1: yes yes Yes, and, and that was something that I, I came to appreciate in the movie because we've all had ridiculous conversations as you're, you know, working or doing whatever it is that you're doing, and next thing you know, you know, you're into a ridiculous argument over something so superfluous and and, and trivial.
2: But we've all been there, yeah. Well, and that's what I really like about Kevin Smith's writing is it feels real. I mean, I feel like these are conversations that the three of us have had even before we started this podcast, which caused us to start this podcast oh we've gotten these kind of discussions all the time yeah
1: wait the snowballing oh never mind
2: see dramatic pause
0: (laughs) i was gonna say it just got really awkwardly quiet in here and and for for those of you that don't know i mean for the professor to throw that out what dude (laughs) what do you what do you really want to tell us what what's he trying to tell us with that lip balm oh You'd have to be here to see it. You'd have to see it to believe it. Um, yeah. This, so, and and you know, are you going to start rubbing your nipples now? Is that what you were about to do?
2: No, I was about to say this is why we don't have a video podcast.
1: Oh, Wait. Okay. That's what you wanted the lip balm for? Was for your nipples?
2: They are a little chafe. Yeah,
1: so there you go. So what's up with Jay and Silent Bob that that they follow these guys around? Oh.
0: Um, <laughs> jay and silent bob are just kind of nomads they just kind of go from place to place and their favorite place was to hang out was at the quick stop they say it in almost every movie they're in you know even in dogma right it's not like jersey at the quick stop uh so when that burnt down naturally they would look to see where randall and dante went and so they hang out in the front on the site of movies (laughs) and uh our introduction to them uh just it, he he started to do the title cards uh, before the, the introduction of the characters, and he does it with Jane Silent Bob just like he did in the first one. It says Jane Silent Bob. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, but after that, we don't get any more because those were really the only two returning uh, returning characters. Anyways, uh, their introduction is so funny jay preaching uh, sobriety and always ending things in sir and it, it was just, it was fun it was smart and i think that kevin hart really did write it for kevin smith what did i say kevin hart yeah so i think that kevin hart really did write it uh with jay uh, in mind so great introduction to both of them what did you guys think of the elias character he cracked me up he was, you know who he reminded me of? I
2: was trying to decide whether he was the professor or me.
0: Uh, I would have to say you. More me. Yeah, more the comic book guy. When you get guy. me, going, Definitely, definitely. Uh, hey, Randall, did, do you like the Transformers?
1: <laughs> who, who were you thinking?
0: Uh, you know that big family? W- okay, which one? The oldest. Oh, really? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I was trying to place where where is Elias because you know it's just you know that that uh, that whole repressed feeling you know and you hear it in, in the smoldering of his voice about things that he can continually talks about yeah.
2: yeah the way I see it is we've all known an Elias we've all had an Elias in our life and if you haven't you are Elias
0: oh that's good I like that I have definitely known uh an Elias definitely in in my life but just he 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 gets dropped off to work by his parents. He comes in singing the good song, and then immediately Randall just goes <laughs> right after him. So good. Uh, yeah, it's like blood
1: in the water for
0: a shark. And then he has to say, Mr. Dante. <laughs> and then da- Dante opens <laughs> the bathroom, bathroom door <laughs> and says, leave Lias alone, Randall. And he looks up, and I think that's Scott Mosier, uh, the guy at the table with his daughter that's uh, kevin smith's producing partner yeah uh i think that's him and dante's taking a shit <laughs> the look <laughs> he gives him <laughs> uh, it's so good and then we just kind of get through and then uh we meet becky we meet becky she pulls up in her uh or her old mustang the lovely rosario dawson of and josie and the pussycats did you actually see that movie no you're such a liar dude <laughs> So anyway, Rosario Dawson comes up and she's the manager of said movies and I love that they're having a conversation. Oh, they're talking about ass to mouth right away. Right. Right. And uh Randall's like you never go ask to mouth. No, oh, Dante's you never. No, oh, who's they're both you don't go ask to mouth.
2: Well, da- Dante was Dante's
0: especially uh, Dante's no. Uh, yeah. You never do that.
1: And and Randall's all about that's what the young chicks.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's um and then he, he equates it to uh, going down. Right. Right. And uh, he to says. To the nether regions he, or whatever he calls it. He says to Becky, I'm sure you've given a blowjob, right? And Rosario Dawson's like, I haven't even put my purse down yet. That's a yes. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah, the the dialogue there is quick and back and forth. And that's just the stuff that Kevin comes out of Kevin Smith's head. You know, so, again, if you don't like dick and fart jokes, you are not going to like a. Yeah. Kevin Smith movie. I
1: gotta say, watching this movie, everything that Randall talks about, it's like, all of this has come from Kevin Smith's head. What type of a warped, sick man is this that he has all of these thoughts floating around in his head?
2: The great thing is, is these rants that Randall have are some of them are actual rants that Kevin Smith has had, like the one about the one ring.
0: Okay, so here, this is probably in my top three favorite scenes of this entire film, this whole sequence with uh, the one ring that you're talking mm-hmm. about is brilliant. Writing is so fucking funny, but yeah. how did that come about?
2: Well, he just, you know, Elias and a customer start doing this little Hobbit, one ring, Lord of the Rings kind of dialogue. And Randall comes out and just destroys him with, You know, how horrible those movies were and how it was... 25 endings. They were stolen from different things and everything. And this is an actual rant, I guess, that Kevin Smith went on at one of his shows. Yeah. Almost taken word for word.
0: Yeah. One ring to rule them all.
2: And that's where you got your quote from.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Elias automatically finds uh, a guy to respond back to what he had told Randall earlier. How many times for... How many times two for return or was he say two for fellowship?
1: No, it was three, then two, then four. And then Elias was
0: five for f- King five for return. And they <clears throat> slap hands. It's so funny. And they call, uh, they call Randall a nerd and, uh, Randall responds. I'm the nerd. You two are whipping out your preciouses. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I love the bit where he says, "Okay, here's the three movies." And uh, my buddy and I at work do this all the time, right? We'll just walk, <laughs> and then the and here's the second movie, and then he does the stumble, and then the third movie, and then he gets into the fucking ending, yeah. right? Oh, don't tell me that Sam doesn't give Frodo such a gay look. It's uh, it's so funny, and then he makes the Lord of the Rings guy throw up. Remember? Yes. He says, uh, and then Sam just bricks in Frodo's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so awful.
2: No, I just like how the scene where he talks about, you know, in the third movie, they're walking along, and they they stop, and then just, bloop, throw the ring, and movie over. Yeah.
0: I thought it would be interesting if uh, somehow in there the Lord of the Rings nerds start giving Randall shit about the prequels and how Randall would handle that. Because when when did Sith come out? Like two thousand three. So they'd been out, and they had sucked ever since they were out. So I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see. Although he does say there is only one trilogy.
2: Mm-hmm. They,
0: they are talking about trilogies, and he is mm-hmm. referring to the original three. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that's why. Yeah, he there's about. only one return. And it's of the Jedi.
1: So when um, when Becky is uh, sitting in her office and. Dante is in there with her, and she holds up the nail polish bottle. I'm thinking, is she serious? Which means he's done it before, because, you know, it's, it's since, his last day. Yeah. Since this is your last day, and she holds it up, and she doesn't say anything. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is what they do in the
2: office.
0: Yeah, and she, uh, he paints her toenails.
2: Well, you know, that's taken from the first movie, sort of. In the first movie, he paints his girlfriend's nails.
0: right. I mean same action. He's painting something. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that he's throwing back into yeah. his movies. So yeah. like it's like that formula that he has.
2: Yeah, and it's better than actually working.
0: I really liked
1: the writing between Becky and Dante. They're they're very believable together.
0: They are and then you Snap back to reality and they aren't because Rosario Dawson and Brian O'Halloran. They're very different. Yeah. I mean, what do they call him? He's a fucking chud. Yeah.
2: So maybe he was just that good on their one night.
0: Oh, maybe. I mean, she did have mail in certain spots.
1: Yeah. I, I, I also was thinking about maybe it's just because they're opposites that brings them together.
0: Yeah. And, so it took me out of it for just a, just a brief second, but with Kevin Smith's writing it, it throws you back into it. So at this point, you know, we've already met, uh, we've already met Dante's fiance played by Kevin Smith's wife and, uh, she's almost too good to be true. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they're getting married. He's getting out of, uh, he's getting out of Jersey. He's going to start a new life. He's going to be happy. He's going
2: to manage a car wash. He's going to manage
0: a car wash. Even offers Becky a job, so I mean Dante. Dante's re- getting ready for a life changing experience. Little did he know it wasn't going to be the one that he was expecting.
1: Yeah the, uh, the 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 fact that it's their last day. I don't know. I I, I was surprised with uh, how laid back Randall was during the day. The arc of the day, he was really laid back about it. I was expecting him to be a lot more sentimental about it since they had spent so much time together. But of course, you know, we do get to see that at the end of the movie. I felt yeah.
2: they were building up to that, that you could tell he was bothered by it. But at first, he's excited on planning that last day because he's planning that donkey show.
0: Yeah, Uh I, you just want to throw everything back to that donkey show? Should we just jump right to that scene there, buddy? I mean, oh. did that? No, you got to
2: save her. You got to work your way up to that.
0: Okay, you we, must be okay. a you must be a kinky Kelly fan.
2: No, interspecies and uh, uh, in,
0: uh, interspecies erotica fucko.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What about what
1: about pillow pants and lister fiend? <laughs> did you know?
2: <laughs> although we're probably going to get to that part. Did you know that Jason Mewes actually wanted to? They actually talked, or no, it was a, uh, Weinstein wanted them to film the pillow pants gnome scene and do some kind of fantasy where they showed the pillow pants gnome, and they were going to have the pillow pants gnome coming out of, I guess, a giant vagina or something. And Jason Mewes was excited because he wanted to take the giant vagina home with him. Oh, how funny. But uh, that got thrown out by Kevin Smith. Yeah. Didn't
1: Didn't that kind of make you a little creepy to see Weinstein... Weinstein's
0: name at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I was just gonna say let's let's go to the left for a second. Yeah, I was thinking, am I the only one feeling a little cringy? About yeah, watching
2: this. I know I was a little cringy. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like, uh, um, okay. but what are we supposed to do with that? Right, we know it's not right. We know it's fucked up. We know he's a piece of shit. But that's a fucking funny movie. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. and so he's got
2: a name on a lot of things. So yeah, yeah. So yeah,
0: and, and things like that. I mean. Yeah, that that fucking sucks. And I'm glad fucking that sucks,
2: but you know, from what you read, Kevin Smith didn't use a lot of his ideas. So there was a. Well, lot I'm of sure he never did kinky, nasty stuff that I think he wanted in the movie that they kept out.
0: I'm sure Weinstein wanted to be part of everything, yeah. uh, in every movie he made, obviously. So, mm-hmm. fuck that guy. That's what we say.
1: So, um, what? What? I really appreciated. Um, Pillow pants. That is a very ingenious little story to tell your child that there is a troll inside of you.
2: It wasn't even like telling the child. It was his girlfriend explaining to Elias why they couldn't have sex because she has a pillow gnome. Pillow was it Pillow Pants. Pillow pants the gnome living in her vagina.
0: Why haven't you fucked Myra yet? Well, we can't because of pillow pants. What the fuck is pillow pants? Pillow Pants is a little troll who lives in her pussy. Pillow Pants is her pussy troll. Duh. You know how every girl's parents put a pussy troll in them when the girls are young uh, to keep them from having premarital sex? Sure. Well, Myra's is named Pillow Pants. And And so even though she totally wants to have sex with me, Myra says that if I put my thing in her, Pillow Pants will bite it off. So I gotta wait until Bella Vance gets peed out of her body on her twenty-first birthday, so we can have sex.
2: I just loved uh, Randall's like expression about this. Like he can't His look wait. of horror, and he can't wait to tell Dante. He's like Dante, Dante. And and why
1: does he have a look of horror when he's such a sick fuck himself? Oh, I know, but
0: it's he can't believe this is happening and that this kid believes this shit. But that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, either way you look at it, that's hilarious.
2: I just want to know where Kevin Smith came up with that idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to get inside Kevin Smith's head. (laughs) That's Uh, what I'm
1: talking about. Yet
0: another example of what the hell is going on in your head. But if you notice, and if anyone ever gets the chance to see this guy live, you should. Because the way Kevin Smith just tells a story to you while talking to you, like on a stage. Wonderful. It's mesmerizing. And it's so good. And it's so fun to hear. And then you turn around and you watch his movies. And in a way, he's telling you a story. Right? Kind of like the same thing, uh, but here he's doing it with uh, just brilliant writing and he gets the right cast. And you know, Kevin Smith's the guy.
2: If Kevin Smith does ever actually do like the last movie in this universe and closes it all out, he's got to close it out with, with Pillow Pants. <laughs> pillow Pants has just ended. Like we find out he's real.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I wonder how he would. Close it out. Wasn't the Jane Silent Bob reboot? Wasn't that supposed to end it?
2: They've talked about that, but then they've also talked about Clerks Three being.
0: Oh right, the end. Yeah, I think we just talked about
2: that. As well. uh, who knows? I, I think he will he will keep revisiting the well as long as it keeps working.
0: Yeah. So they go about their day and they're working, and then uh, Randall have, has them.
1: Oh, I was just going to say we have these numerous little conversations. You know, we have the whole Lord of the Rings. We have Lance come in, the Pickle Fucker. Hey, that's where I was getting to. Yeah. And, yeah. and and it's just these little moments throughout the, that pass the
0: day. Yeah. And uh, Pickle Fucker comes in, Jason Lee, and he play. he looks like uh, he walked off the set of My Name's Earl.
2: Which basically he did. It was supposed to be Matt Damon, but they couldn't get him. So they basically grabbed Jason Lee off that set.
0: Yeah. I love how uh, Randall puts flies in his burger and he takes the ice <laughs> Or from the urinal. In the urinal.
2: Now, do you know that's the only scene that Jason muse directed was the scooping the ice in the urinal?
0: Oh, that makes sense. That's funny. I didn't know he was a
2: director. Yeah, they gave or, uh, Kevin Smith gave him act or directing duties on that one scene. That's
0: awesome. And then what's even more funny is he gives it to Jay and Silent Bob because <laughs> he knows he's not dumb, so it's pretty funny.
2: I like how that. You know, after that, they're like. This tastes like piss and fries. Yeah. Why do they, they know, know what fries? that tastes like? I don't
0: know. And then so uh Randall has a little hissy fit and gets all bummed out because he hasn't done anything with his life in thirty plus years. And they take off and they go go karting. And then the, during work, during work, right? They just take off. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. Who is that? Is that? It's not Tom Jones, is it? I don't think so.
1: Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head was famously put into a movie. What movie?
0: Uh, raindrops Keep Falling on My Head.
1: Oh, Butch uh, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Correct. And the uh, it was the bicycle riding scene that Robert Redford had. And apparently, uh, Robert Redford was the only one that was able to ride the bike. And uh, they thought... They thought it's just ridiculous. Why are you putting this scene into the movie? This has nothing to do with nothing. And the uh, and, and the song, what does this song have anything to do with bicycle riding in a field? I don't get it. And yet, number one hit propels the movie to superstardom. And one of the first scenes that people talk about. B.J. Thomas.
2: And it was sung by Burt Baccarat. Was that who sang it in this movie?
0: No. The one we're listening to is... B.J. Thomas. Okay. Yeah. You might have gotten a cover. And I'm sure everyone has covered. Uh, It even says, uh, B.J. Thomas, 101 Strings, Ronald Isley of the Isley Brothers, and Burke Bacharach.
1: Totally understood the whole go-karting thing. Yeah, it centers him. Yeah. You know, taking you back to where things were, where you were good and happy and whole. Yeah. So...
0: Where? Unlike unlike jerking off at the office like John does, doesn't jerking off center you? Mm, no. Yes, it does. You're such well, a liar. What what centers I, you, Don? Uh, I I told you.
2: When the family gets to be too much, where do you run off to?
0: The go karting. Okay,
1: <laughs> Professor, you got a place. Uh, I I, st- I stay up late and I putter putter in the house.
0: Oh, that was a real question. Yes, uh, I come down here.
2: You come down here? I come down here. And
0: it's wonderful now that Logan has his own room down here because this is my domain again. So I'll come down here, play some video games, kick some cats, beat some dogs. It's good.
2: Yeah. I used to, you know, go out to like find a comic book shop or something like that. But now I do go up to my bonus room and play with my swords.
0: And by swords, people, you know what he means.
1: Cross your fingers.
0: Don't don't cross the streams.
1: Well, I was thinking also <laughs> we should cross our
0: dicks too. <laughs> oh, that Kevin Smith. Such a good writer. Uh, speaking of Kevin Smith and writing, uh, so Randall's use of Porch Monkey.
1: Ooh, <laughs> oh, my God. We're going there. When Wanda Sykes comes in, it's like,
0: oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. And I guess... Uh, I don't, I don't know how you look at it, but did it, watching this scene again uh, in its entirety, I've forgotten how much uh, Kevin Smith wrote in the N-word during this whole bit. And I got to admit, every time Randall said it, it, it was a little cringy, right? But I think the the nature behind it, and, and I think that the way it came across, I don't think he was trying to be offensive. Uh, were any of you offended by it?
2: No, because I've had this discussion with people before that, you know, there are certain words that are just no, nos that you just, you just don't say because they're hurtful to others. And then there's words that you think, why, why are you letting this word hurt you? And you know, the use of, you know, I, I even cringe thinking, you know, saying it. The porch monkey phrase is a hurtful word, but if you think about it and you break it down, it's such a ridiculous turn of phrase.
0: Well, I mean, you could really say that about any word. So um, I I see what you're saying. And I I think that the way they wrote it and what Randall was trying to do because you see on the actor's face, or you, the, the character, really didn't think it was a racist, uh, racist, racist term. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just something that his grandma used to call him. And I love how he kept <laughs> saying uh, he would say it, and people would look at him and go saying it. Well, no, he would he would say it, and people would looking at would look at him, and he'd go, "It's okay, I'm taking it back."
1: Yeah. You know How many times I've said it
0: that? You. It's okay, I'm taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> that same Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm taking the S back, so thank you, Kevin Smith, for that.
2: Yeah, so I, I can yeah. understand the, the discussion of words and how they've become bad and how he wants to take it back, things like that. That was an interesting argument. Well, it, it's born of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And so Randall just didn't know any better.
1: And when you see uh, Becky and uh, Dante you, you know, going off the deep end, then randall should be taking the the cue of okay this is never to be used again but you know it's out of ignorance
0: yeah and their reaction is that's what's funny to me in this scene it's it's not to use of the words or or whatever but it's every time he says something that's racist the shock and look on dante and becky's face is just and then even Wanda sykes right oh hell no what did he just say right it's so funny and then he gets to the jewish one and then dante's like what the fuck randall and we get so funny but you know
2: i don't i think i got the most laughs out of the husband wanda's husband who just wanted his free burger he says
0: you can't taste racism baby (laughs) (laughs) and then she throws it on the ground and he's gonna pick it up and she's like don't you pick up that shit so funny that's good anyways i thought i'd just throw that out there no that's good dante tells becky that he is worried about dancing at his wedding so she takes him up on the roof of the restaurant to teach him some moves dante soon lets go of his inhibitions and begins dancing when the song ends dante caught up in the moment confesses his love for becky as she reveals that she's pregnant dante and becky had a one-night stand at work a few weeks before Becky tells Dante not to tell anyone about the baby. However, he tells Randall, and an angered Becky leaves when she finds out. Randall encourages Dante to leave movies and search for Becky so he can put up a surprise going-away party for him. Randall hires Kinky Kelly and the Sexy Stud, a donkey show, with a fog machine for the party. When Dante returns, he mistakes the fog for fire and calls the fire department. But upon discovering that it's not a fire... He proceeds to watch with Randall, Jay and Silent Bob, and Elias. The group discovers that Kinky Kelly is, in fact, the donkey, while the man, Zach Knutson, whom Randall thought to be the pimp, is the sexy stud. When Becky returns, she too admits that she's in love with Dante. As they kiss, Emma arrives. She throws her engagement ring at Becky, dumps a cake she's made for Dante over his head, and walks off angrily. When when the
1: dance scene that they go up to the roof for, did you notice the the color, the change in color, mm-hmm. the change in color? It is uh, it's saturated. It is it is very rich and very warm, and it 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 conveys you know like you feel like it's a bright sunshiny day even though they're up there on the roof, and uh, you see it. Especially when we uh, look at Elias dancing down at, at the drive-through window area, the, the the yellow on the wall just pops, and everything looks like orange, almost on fire. And, and and the vibrance of the purple of the shirts are very very pronounced. To watch the whole movie like that, it'd be like, oh gosh, it would it would just I think it would drain on me to to see the these super rich colors. After he comes back down off the roof, the color's all flat again. The purples are very pale, and and and, and the, the, the yellows are all
0: muted again. Are you sure there's not something wrong with your TV? No. I didn't notice that at all, did you?
2: Well, I wasn't dropping anything that night, so no.
0: Nice. I'm going to have to go back and look for that. I never noticed that.
2: I thought maybe maybe it's to match the music or it, is it to match the fact that they...
0: Oh, but you saw the color change.
2: I think I know what he's talking about. Oh, okay. It,
1: it's all about the mood that's happening, right? This, mm-hmm. this, this is where, where, where Dante is, is admitting that he's falling for her. He's falling in love with her. And it's a very, very happy moment. We have the dance scene going on. Right afterwards, you know, where we have all those people come out of nowhere and all those people are dancing together.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's up there again with one of my favorite scenes. You know, I, there, if you had to pick three scenes in a movie, uh, this would definitely be in the top three. This one and the Lord of the Rings discussion, for sure. And,
1: and I got to say that um, Rosario Dawson, especially, you know, in, in this moment, man, I buy her, her, her look and her eye. It's just so it's such good acting. I, I really believe her you know how can he not want to fall in love with that look in her eye when when, when he's holding her and he tells her that he loves her
0: yeah and then she says I'm, I'm pregnant. pregnant and then he drops her. <laughs> I love the fact that he dropped her yeah and he's like, oh shit yeah so we know that she's pregnant and he she says not to say anything and of course who is the first person he tells? the r- worst person to tell. Randall.
2: But we all have that, at least one friend. That you're told not to tell something, and you got to tell them. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess it depends on what needs to be told. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, what, what needs to be told. Yeah. There are things that I've been told that I can honestly say I've never told anyone because that said person said, please don't say anything. Exactly. And I can't keep a secret. No, you so. can't because you're a fucking little girl, dude. Yeah. Or, or let me ask you this real quick. Did Julie watch this with you? No. Okay. That's why uh, he liked it better than Chef. Mm. I do want to ask this
2: question. Skipping ahead to the donkey show.
0: Well, we're almost there.
2: Yeah, we're, we're almost there. Okay, so you want me to wait on the donkey show? Yeah. Okay, I'll wait on the donkey show.
0: So uh, I'll keep
2: it in my pants for now.
0: Yeah, keep it in your pants there, sexy stud. Uh, so, Randall knows, and they go outside, and he... He takes a swing, at, or no, uh, Dante just pleads with him. Please, if you've ever been my friend, if whatever, you cannot say this. And then Becky comes out, looks at him, looks at Dante, says, "Can we talk?" And then Randall, being Randall, may your first child be your masculine child. And so uh, Rosario doesn't takes off, and then Dante swings at him, and he gets mad at uh, Randall for moving. So it's funny shit. Funny, funny shit. Then she goes off. Kinky Kelly and the Stud pull in, and Randall he, sees this, and he's done. And this, I thought for sure Dante would see the trailer and everything too, right? But he doesn't. Or that it.
1: he was going to call it off. How could this day get
0: any worse? Right, right. And so he tells her, "No, you go." He tells Dante, "Go look for her. Go look for her. Come back in an hour. Just, but just come back in an hour."
2: We know that Randall is not hiring the Donkey Show. For Dante, he's hiring because he wants to see what the hell a donkey show is.
0: Well, it's not only that, but they had always talked about it. Yeah, when they were younger,
2: and this was his,
0: I guess, in his own Randall Graves way, uh, his goodbye present to his best friend.
1: What w- what movie was it? A callback to? Do you remember? Of Tom Tom Hanks.
2: I was just about that. That was gonna be my thing. Is is what other famous movie? had a donkey scene in it
1: and that's where um randall brings this from because they
0: watched bachelor party when yes. they were little that's exactly right mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome awesome so here we are at the donkey show now what'd you want to say that
2: was what i was gonna bring i, know. Up. I was just fucking with oh, you. Hanks. Party.
0: <laughs> so uh, dante comes back the place is on fire or he thinks it's on fire
2: calls the fire department calls yeah. the fire
0: department oh, hang on oh yeah he calls the fire department
2: what do you think of elias's reaction to the donkey show
0: uh, it was funny it was funny he was drunk and of course everything turned sexual and i mean that's he was that's how he would it. be if he was drunk right? you know what i mean
1: well he'd been repressed for
2: so long and now he is slaking his thirst okay quick story And I really hope this friend is not listening to our podcast. But uh, I had a friend in college who dated this uh, really, really conservative, really repressed uh, Christian boy. And they had a real, I mean, she had been a little wilder in her younger days, but she decided that, you know, they were going to wait until they got married before they did even anything. And so she went all four years dating this gentleman Nice guy, sweet as can be. They finally get married right out of college, and I guess they were playing around one time and she pulled out a paddle jokingly and spanked him on the butt. Now that is the only way that he will do anything with her as long as he gets spanked first.
0: Hey man, some some people are into that stuff. So you can't you can't you can't judge.
2: So you always got to wonder if it's those repressed people who have the the deepest wells of something down there
0: eh, maybe I think everybody has a little bit of a kinky side but what do I know look at professors blushing over there yeah <laughs> now he can't stop giggling <laughs> so yeah. what is your <laughs> fetish mine <laughs> uh, that 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 is a uh, topic for a different podcast okay uh, we will call that a different podcast <laughs> so yeah there you go uh so what did you guys think of said donkey show i was uh, i i was curious to see how far kevin smith was going to take it and for the record i knew that it was the dude in the donkey the whole time he wasn't pulling any tricks on me i knew there was there wasn't going to be a woman when you first so, which saw is the, funny
2: when you first saw the two of them yeah you kind of figured it out at first i thought it was going to be a total remake about a remake of bachelor party
0: i can't remember how that donkey show went doesn't the donkey die the
2: donkey dies yeah and then they put the donkey i think in the elevator Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but um i thought it was gonna be something like that with like a belly dancer or whatever something weird and i kept thinking how are they gonna make that work in the movie and then i saw the guy and i thought oh he's the sexy stud and kelly's the donkey
0: yeah so funny. Uh, do you know who sang that song? Do you remember that song that was playing during the Donkey Show? New Edition. Anybody? No. New Kids on the Block. No. Um, it was a. It was a woman. First of all. Oh oh. Nineteen eighty-five ish, eighty-six ish. It's raining men. Is no. It, no. Uh, the song was "Naughty Girls Need Love Too." Oh, Samantha mm-hmm. Fox. Samantha fucking yeah. Fox. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: No. What I liked is how you know someone would say bestiality, and that and the sexy stud was so serious about it. no interspecies erotica.
0: Fucko. Yeah. He always ended it with a fucko. And also, uh, if you noticed on his tat, his arm tattooed, you know what it said? Born to fuck or something like that. Yeah, born to fuck. So that kind of was. little foreshadowing as well for that character and and the funny thing is
2: when and when randall found out exactly what it was he was still kind of into it he still wanted to see it nobody left
0: no of course not uh because i mean uh becky says it herself uh, says it best herself right it's like a train wreck i just can't look away
2: (laughs) i'm upset or offended i'm
0: yeah but i can't look away (laughs) so uh Dante comes back from looking for Becky. The donkey show starts. It doesn't turn out to be what it is. And then uh, Becky comes in and she was like, what the fuck am I looking at? So.
1: And of course that's when Emma has to
0: come in. Yeah. Cause it was written that way. Mm-hmm. Right? But you, you knew at some point that he was going to pick Becky and he mm-hmm. wasn't going to go through with it because, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's a buddy film and you can't really end a buddy film with splitting the buddies up. Mm-hmm. So
2: I just want to know how many times has it happened that the fire department has showed up to a donkey show and the restaurant still opens up the next day?
0: Probably only once, but okay. it is in New Jersey. So who knows? that's a good point. The fire and police departments arrive and Dante, Randall, Elias, Jay, and Silent Bob and the sexy stud are arrested. Although they are informed that they will soon be released, Dante blames Randall for ruining his life and expresses his eagerness to start a new life without him. While Randall condemns Dante for his willingness to live his life under the standards of others and for walking out of their relationship. During the argument, Randall proposes that they buy the quick stop and reopen it themselves. Although Dante says that neither of them have the money to reopen the store, Jay and Silent Bob offer to lend them the money on the condition that they can hang out outside of the quick stop anytime they want without the police being called randall accepts their offer but dante is uncertain prompting randall to emotionally confess his fear of losing dante moved by randall's confession dante agrees to the proposition and after he is released proposes to becky who happily accepts after the quick stop and rst video are rebuilt elias applies for the job and is hired at the video store in the very last scene with the store open, Dante tells Randall, can you feel it today? Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. End movie. So they end the donkey show. They all get arrested. They go to jail. And I thought this was, this was a great scene. Uh, This is where Kevin Smith was really trying to tug at your heartstrings. And I think Jeff Anderson did a great job. I I, I bought it.
2: They finally gave him a part where he can really expand on his character to
0: be a character, not to be the smart ass asshole that he is. Mm -hmm. And really, he said it himself. Who would want to be friends with me? I'm a dick. You're the only one. You were my balance. You were my yin to my yang. Yeah. and,
1: and, And that's where it shows the depth and the growth of the character moving beyond just being this two-dimensional character of all he does is just shit on other things, that he does have something at stake that he does not want to lose, that it will hurt him heavily if he loses Dante.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I love how uh, Dante is freaking out, and he thinks his life is over, this, that, and the other, and then the uh, sexy studs like, oh, you guys will get released. If anything, I will get a fine for
1: animal,
0: animal cru- cruelty a- animal cruelty and then he sits in his the says, i miss my, my donkey, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go back and forth yelling at each other which i thought was some really good dialogue opening each other's eyes to how they really are how they really feel uh and then you know dante says to randall well what would you do what would you do if you were me and uh, randall flat out tells him i'd buy the quick stop It makes sense. And it's funny that they come to this realization that that was their purpose. That's what this was all about, to own a fucking quick stop. So I I thought that was really good. And then, you know. But it's more than
1: that. Is it? Yes, it it is more than that. Because, you know, previously, these are characters that are all about, you know, just hanging out and doing nothing and not having any type of, of uh, a career or growth yeah they don't want anything to do with the rat race and randall is content with who he is and where he's at providing dante is there and what dante is coming to terms with that it's okay if he doesn't have everything if it if he doesn't have you know what he what a society says that he's supposed to have you can be happy right where you're at with what you have you don't need to change yourself just be you and just be happy
0: yeah but a quick stop They're, they'll be out of business in like two years well they don't know about covid
2: here's the thing that gets me about this movie the way that it ended is that throughout the movie you're feeling like randall's stuck in not moving forward whereas dante's trying to move on with his life But did you notice in the jail scene that it's Dante that has made no progress and Randall has? Dante is blaming Randall for everything that's gone wrong when really Randall caused all of, I mean, Dante caused all of his own problems. Totally. He cheated on his fiance. He got her pregnant. It would have come out eventually anyway. So he was basically trying to run away from all his problems. But he he's the one that screwed up and screwed everything up. And Randall is the one who's actually put thoughts into what he'd like to do with his life.
1: Yeah. Sure. And, and he's taking it more than just a lifestyle choice uh, and he's evolving it more into a moral principle for him to live his life. And he's asking Dante to do the same.
0: Yeah. And look, Randall has no qualms about who he is randall knows who he is and mm-hmm. he's unapologetic and that's that's how that's how he's gonna be and huh. so i think that you're right uh, dante does have to change and, and dante da- dante did do all of this to himself right there, there's no question in that and so he's looking for someone to blame and naturally he's gonna blame he's randall just, he's lashing out yeah he's just lashing out and so when they come up with the idea to buy the quick stop and they're like, yeah, it's a really good idea, but we don't have any money. Who comes to the rescue? Jay and Silent Bob. Why do they have that much money?
2: They believe, or it's hinted at, and I believe in a deleted scene as well as Kevin Smith has brought it up at different things when people have questioned them on it. They got the movie from Silent Bob, Silent Bob and Jay Strike Back, from the remake of that movie or the yeah. making of it. Yeah,
0: and I I thought that when I saw it, and I liked that they didn't put that in there um but yeah that totally makes sense and it totally fits with the skewers and i uh there was actually two Two conditions conditions. not (laughs) just that jay and silent bob get to uh hang out at the quick stop whenever they want with no police interference but what was the other one ken
1: (laughs) that they had to suck each other off and go (laughs) ass to mouth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, by the way, so that's what they're talking about. Just to clarify, because not that I have any experience with this, but yeah, they're talking about the dick from the ass going into the girl's mouth.
2: Wait a minute, that's what dick to mouth is, or ass to mouth is.
1: That's yes, Kevin <sighs> Smith. Kevin Smith has been asked about that very point numerous times.
2: Further
0: education from the professor. That's why he is the professor.
2: Wow. Now, have look, you guys... Look how red he is. He
0: just didn't even want to talk about it. <laughs>
2: have, have you ever seen the show Comic Book Guys?
0: Uh, I've seen a couple episodes, yeah.
2: You've seen a couple episodes. So, it's about Kevin Smith and Jason Mew's actual comic book store mm-hmm. that they own. Um, did you know that Randall is based off of one of the guys on that show? Which one? Brian Johnson.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, he's basically... They said they just almost took him word for word. And just the complete mentality of Brian Johnson became Randall. Yeah.
0: Definitely came from somebody because mm-hmm. that's a really good character. All right. So they live happily ever after.
2: Well, I don't know if it's happily ever after. Cause you notice in the very last scene, when they go back to black and white and pay homage again, to, to the original clerks, it almost looks, you can see this look on Dante's face where it just hit him. He's back in the quick stop. And then his life has gone full circle.
0: I'd be interested to see if you got that same look, if it was in color. And we uh, did that slow pullback.
2: I don't know. There was just something in that realization. It it
0: was it was the black for me. I, I know I know what you're talking about. And actually, Randall and Dante have a look on their face that you're kind of like you're kind of like going, "Is that a happy look, or, mm-hmm. or is that what, what's going on there?" And I think, and I don't know much. Uh, I think that it's when he turns it black and back to black and white, and we start pulling out. There's something that just yeah. it is something that says dreary with black and white and so that might be i i knew what he was trying to do i knew that he was paying homage back to clerks and he's finishing it the way he started it Mm -hmm. um so yeah maybe but we like to think that they lived happy happily ever after right
1: yeah yeah very much so you know it because everybody uh during the the closing montage everybody has smiles on their face yeah and so I get the impression that yes, this is a happy ending, even though it, it as you point out, it goes back to that grainy, uh, black and white uh, style that we have in the first Clerks. Yeah, I like that closing shot, pulling back like that. It it was, it was very nicely done.
2: Actually, uh, Don said pulling out, not pulling back.
1: Yeah, something that
0: you know I never learned.
1: Some of these shots in the movie as well. I I was uh, surprised with how many tight shots there are. There was a lot of tight shots in this movie where it's it's mostly just their faces that that take up like 80% of the screen.
0: Yeah, well, kind of like you said in the beginning, this is a very character-driven movie. Even though it's a comedy and it's a buddy film, but it's it's there's a lot of depth. Okay, I shouldn't say a lot, but there is actual depth to these characters this time around, and I think Kevin Smith was trying to convey that with the Mm -hmm. way he was shooting it.
2: Yeah, the first movie I think was just comedy. It was thirty-seven
0: thousand. Would I say twenty-seven thousand?
2: Shit, twenty-seven and grand. That was there wasn't really any character development in that first movie.
0: No, it was all dialogue.
2: Yeah, it was just all it was all stuff, quippy dialogue, stuff out man. of Kevin Smith's head. This one, especially in the jail scene, actually had some building and some character development and some some real
0: acting. All right, so let's go ahead and rate this bitch, John. How do we do our ratings?
2: Our ratings are based off of rewatchability. Is this a movie? that you'd want to go back after the first time and watch again. Uh, would you just want to watch bits and pieces of it? Would you actually sit and re-watch the whole movie? Or are you just craving to see it again? Or, like Chef, you never want to see it again.
0: Fair point. And it also has to do with, you know, how soon you would want to watch said movie. Like, uh Chef, I'd watch tomorrow. uh Flash Gordon, never again. But, you know, so that's... That's oh. kind of where our rating scale falls into.
2: You'll crave it.
0: A Flash Gordon? Yeah. Dude, I'm going to tell you this once. You want to keep working here? Stay off the drugs. Anybody? Anybody? What movie did that come from? Anybody? I am thinking hard. and I
2: remember it, though.
0: I got nothing. Coming to America. <laughs> That's what I think we should start doing, too. Just throwing out random movie quotes and stumping each other. You're pretty good for those. Yeah, I could be. Yeah, that's what they say. Okay, uh, I picked the movie. I will go first. Fine, unless you want to go first. No, no, no! Please, I insist. No, you, you know go what? first now. Mm, I want you to go first. Very, do it. Very dangerous. You go first. Do it. Rears the Lost Ark and any fucking movie ever made. Um, do it. Do it. Uh, okay. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is not the name of this film. We were talking about Clerks 2. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I like me some Kevin Smith. uh, Just as a writer, director, overall filmmaker, I think he has a lot of unique ideas, and most of the time his dialogue is quick and funny and engages you. Uh, I still love Mallrats. Mallrats is probably one of my favorite top two probably favorite kevin smith films uh and this you know is definitely in the top five i chose it because it was a buddy film and to be quite honest when i said buddy film when talking to keenan he said what about clerks 2 and i said oh yeah i haven't seen that in a while and after watching it again and i know that i loved the film when i saw it i saw it in the theaters i've saw i've seen it on blu-ray when it came out i'll watch it when it's on TV, but it had been a while since i've seen it and so sitting down and watching it again last night kind of takes me back and i really enjoyed the movie uh from beginning to end yes there are some uh squishy scenes uh, or cringy scenes maybe uh but i mean the movie still holds up for me and because of that i could watch it again after we're done recording I could watch it again tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening. I could watch it again is what I'm saying. So I'm going to give Clerks 2 a 4.5.
2: Wow.
1: I was thinking it's going to be up there like that. The more you went on, yeah, it's going to be up there.
2: Can I go next? Because I want to hear Professor's last. Sure, buddy. Is that okay, Professor? Sure, buddy. Okay. So, Clerks 2, this was probably the second time I think I've ever seen this movie, the first time being when it came out. And it's one of those movies that's kind of in the back of your mind, you want to see again, but you haven't gotten around to it. Uh, so, I was glad to see it come out of the helmet, and I was glad to watch it again. And there were a lot of scenes that I had forgotten about, a lot of dialogue, And I really connect with the dialogue because I always joke with my wife that I hate everybody. I am not a people person. I don't like being in situations where I can't just go off on geek speak. And, you know, the three of us, we get together and we geek out over certain movies. And we get into big arguments and just like in this movie. And so, this movie felt like it was almost like an homage to our discussions. So, I really did enjoy the movie and I enjoyed the dialogue. I always enjoy, like when we saw Kevin Smith in person, I enjoyed listening to him and his stories. And you can see where his movies come from. I mean, he's, he is a geek at heart. I mean, he is just like one of the people. Uh, so I really, I did enjoy watching this movie again. In fact, I was just saying that I'm actually looking forward to seeing it a third time. I want to watch it again. The only thing I can think of is that after watching it a third time and maybe a fourth time, it's gonna start getting stale after a while. I don't know if it, the real watchability is that you, could you keep watching it over and over again, or do you need a break in between for you know a year or two before you see it again, and so you can kind of remember some of the parts. So um, on that basis of yes, it's rewatchable. No, I don't think it's rewatchable right away after watching it. I'm going to give it a 4.0.
0: 4.0. It's still pretty high. It's
2: high because I think it's got a high rewatchable level, but it's not a movie that I could go to any time. A movie I could go to any time and rewatch, like Flash Gordon would be a 5.
0: But but you didn't give Flash Gordon a 5.
2: No, there was a few little minor things in Flash Gordon.
0: I Can I go back and amend my score? I want to give it a 0. For Flash? Okay,
2: 0.5 well we had a different rating system back then
0: that's fair fair point fuck that guy
2: okay on to the professor
1: so this is the first time i've seen the movie and i was curious to watch clerks again but i never got around to it and i um thought that i should be just fine watching this movie without watching the first clerks right it's probably been practically as long as the gap was from clerks to clerks too, for me, you know, when these movies were made. I laughed many times during the movie of the absurdity of the the situations and and how outrageous Randall was and his brutal honesty about things. I also uh, adored Becky. I found her character to be easily believable, and uh, her her, uh, her character really uh, helped put the movie higher for me just because she was uh, such, I felt, a genuine character. So she, uh, she, in my opinion, played that part well. I also always enjoy Silent Bob. Silent Bob is wonderful in his uh, nonverbal expressions in conveying the attitude that uh, Jay is conveying in his dialogue. And so those, those were were very good for me. It, but um, in general, I think it's an okay movie to watch. I am not necessarily looking to watch the movie again. If somebody else were to say, hey, let's watch Clerks 2, I would watch it again, certainly. I don't know if I would pick it myself if I'm just by myself and say, eh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Clerks too. I, I think that for me, it's probably a 3.5.
0: 3.5, 4.0, and a 4.5 for me.
2: One thing I forgot to bring up, um, in all of Kevin Smith's movies where he plays Silent Bob, he always has something so dramatic to say or something, you know, that just hits you, you know, like no ticket or... What'd you think of his big monologue? Like I got
0: nothing. Well, you know why he did that, don't you? Why? Because Jay put him on the spot. If you go back and look at all the other movies, Jay doesn't really antagonize him to say anything. He doesn't. Maybe in Jay and Silent Bob, they kind of get into an argument <coughs> via, you know, mime motion. But normally uh, Silent Bob just comes out with his his little lines. But I thought it was awesome the way this one went down, right? Mm-hmm. I got nothing. And then he calls him, then Jay calls him a name. And he says, uh, you know, man, that's really hurtful. What do you ever contribute to the discussion? Besides pussy. Besides, you got one word, man, pussy.
1: <laughs> Jay certainly had some very fun moments. <laughs> when uh, Emma says, come outside, I want to show you something. And we got Jay out there with his uh, overcoat wide open and he's, he's naked underneath.
0: He's doing the dick tuck.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not so, that. <laughs> it's, it's so
2: fun.
0: All right. So this is the time of the podcast where we are going to go ahead and select our next film. It's been a while. And I think I was the last one to draw. Uh, I think I drew clerks too. No, you drew clerks. I think too. I did clerks too. So that's to me. Uh, what was before? Yeah. Cause I picked chef.
2: So basically what we do is we have a bunch of movies in a Bronco helmet that we all contributed, and we're going to let the professor pick what our next movie will be. Our next movie is a road movie, so it's not mine, since
1: my road movie's already been picked. The name of our next movie that we are watching, The Blues
2: Brothers. Oh, nice. That would be one of mine.
0: Yeah. We'll find it. Don't worry yeah. your pretty little head about that, Hemmen.
2: When I thought of road movies, that's the one jumped in my brain. That is the... Original, it feels like road yeah. movie to me.
0: Well, that depends on when it was made. Because Easy Rider was a pretty, and I think Easy Maybe. Rider was made before the Blues Brothers.
1: Bing Crosby, mm-hmm. Bob Hope.
0: Yeah, these are movies I have not seen.
1: No, but they had a whole, they had a whole bunch of
0: Road to Morocco. Uh, oh, Cannonball Run! Cannonball Run was a road movie. That was made mm-hmm. in '81 or '80. But the Blues Brothers. What was the Blues Brothers? '76. Made? Yeah, because it has Carrie Fisher, Aretha Franklin, Dan Aykroyd, the late great John Belushi, had had a uh, uh, a lot of cameos.
1: Yeah,
2: Cab uh, Cab Calloway.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Paul Schaefer.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Does anybody want to say anything else? Well, you have well, would, the mic. Would Would
2: people like to know where to find us?
0: I don't know. John, would they like to know where to find us? Thank you for asking. I didn't fucking ask, but you can tell them anyway. I will, in fact.
2: Uh, They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us at any popular or even unpopular podcast hosting sites. We have a Facebook page and a Twitter page. All right. So now that all
1: that's been said, as Jay would say, get the
0: fuck out of here. It's time for us to go. Thank you so much for listening.
2: Normally, we would give out like a contest or prizes, but since we only have like one listener, you're a winner for just
0: listening. That's right, and you know who you are. For Three Guys in a Flick, this is Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. You know, sometimes it is okay to go ass to mouth.
2: I was just about to say that you were pretty okay with that, weren't you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You tell me, buddy.